This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, it's more of a theoretical conversation. I'm talking to Dave King about AI and what place it has in our productivity. We're going to talk about what it can do, where it's at right now, what the status of it is, what can it do to help you productivity-wise, what it's going to be able to do, what what are its limitations right now. This is something that I'm interested in when it comes to the... Alexa or the Siri or I forget what the other ones are. Google Assistant. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but we're talking about the broad spectrum of what AI is and what it can do, what tasks it can do, what tasks it can do on its own, what tasks it can do with you, how it can work with you collaboratively. So if any of that is interesting to you as it is for me, I think you're going to geek out a little bit on this episode and have a great time listening to this conversation with Dave King. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Dave King. Dave, welcome. Thanks very much, Eric. Great to be here. The topic of the day is AI. And for for those that don't know, they should. AI stands for artificial intelligence. And, you know, I struggle to have intelligence of my own half the time, but then to have art- artificial intelligence... <laughs> added into the mix uh i don't know it's it's so it's like this is where sci-fi and productivity meet right yeah absolutely i mean i think everyone's heard about ai over the last few years um there there can be some you know pretty significant differences between you know what we're seeing in everyday life and and what we're reading about in sci-fi but you know potentially maybe those two worlds are coming closer together yeah i mean ai it's one of those things where uh basically people um are wondering, like, is it even there yet? Like, are we there at the point where, you know, I mean, we're not at the point where, like, Skynet exists, right? <laughs> Obviously. Um, but how not, can, not that I know of. Not no. that we know of, right. Um, and I'm a huge, you know, geek when it comes to sci-fi stuff and, and all of that. And I'm all for having, you know, an, an assistant that is smart enough to not only respond to things, but anticipate things that I may want or need or to be to, to be looking out for me, that kind of thing. I don't know that any of the, you know, whether it's Siri or Alexa or the Google, I forget what the Google one's called. Uh, I guess it's just Google Assistant, right? Uh, or mainly Google Assistant. Yeah. Uh, and I think, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Microsoft's uh, Cortana. Like, I don't know that any of those are still on par to the point where we think they will get to. I mean, do, I mean, would you consider well, – let me first back up. What is your definition, per se, of de- – definition and expectation of what an AI is? And then do you think any of what I just mentioned starts to fall into that category yet? I think, I think firstly, I think those are, those are probably the interfaces that people are most familiar with um, in 2019 – um, where, you know, those, those are voice interactive interfaces that are, that are using, you know, what we would 
presume are, are, are algorithms that could be classified as artificial intelligence. So interfaces like, like you said, Alexa and Siri and, and, and chatbots um, and those kind of things, um, depending on the degree of complexity and, I guess, thoroughness of, of, of the domain that those, those interfaces are working in, um, there can be pretty sophisticated um, machine learning algorithms and sort of generative algorithms behind them. Um, but the interface itself, I wouldn't say, makes it AI. I think the the notion of of I guess humanizing an interface and giving it a name, um, you know, like we see in the in the movie Her and 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 in Alexa, um, probably suggests and implies to people that that it, it's it's trying to emulate human intelligence. Um, but I don't think that's the definition. I think it's more, um, you know, we're we're in a we're in a phase now when I think those large companies you mentioned are really training their algorithms using friendly interfaces. And, you know, you'll see Siri improve a lot over the last few years and the next few years, similar to the other ones. And I think through usage on consumer devices, you know, the, the, the language models and the interaction models are getting much more sophisticated because those companies have access to, you know, hundreds of millions, if not billions of people. A couple different terms that, I mean, you mentioned and we can throw around and people are throwing around in there. So let's let's first of all say AI, obviously, artificial artificial intelligence being one of them. You mentioned machine learning. And then I think there was another one. What was it? It might have been automation. I think uh, there was another one. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I might yeah. have mentioned generative models. Um, um, but yeah, I think like the machine learning is, is – look, a lot of this is software speak. And I, and I think, you know, partly – um, you know, we can use the terminology, but we don't necessarily need to think about it as, you know, as, as productivity people or as, um, or as consumers. Um, but basically, machine learning kind of uh, describes a series of models that, are, you know, they're not necessarily new. Um, a lot of these things have been worked on, you know, through the mid so 20th century, um, you know, through the 70s a lot, um, and having a rebirth thanks to things like um, increased computing power and 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 um, you know cloud hosting and and processing speed and things like that. Um, but machine learning models are you know largely what people think of as as um, a large component of of what provides AI. And things like generative models, which um, you know are, are things that can kind of generate language you know based on a training data set or generate imagery based on a training data set. Yeah, uh, I think. As we get into this this conversation of of AI and how it enters into the workplace, how it enters into personal productivity or even macro productivity of an organization, there's a lot of thought that has to go into this. There's a lot of, I should say, not just thought, but discussion of what are the best ways to use it? What can it even possibly do? Like, what's the potential there? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think I think that's a really good thing to bring up. I think... Um you know, one thing about sort of being a, a user of um, the internet in this day and age or, um, you know, even as a parent, I was talking to my, my partner the other day about, you know, how, how, do we, how do we bring up our kids to be aware of, of, the, of the software they're using is that, you know, there's a lot of – we need to use these things with a critical eye and we need to understand them with a slightly kind of, you know, more analytical um, perspective than maybe we did with software that wasn't so sort of well-trained or connected, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Um, so I think we're, we are in a phase where we need to understand what the algorithms that we're using um, assume about us. Um, you know, what are we seeing based on what they, um, you know, understand about us and what they're, what they're thinking about us and where did they get that data? And I think one of the biggest issues with, with, with AI um, in its current form and probably into the near near future is, 
um, you know, what are the inherent biases we need to understand um, that are baked into the AI when it was when it was you know when the models were created or when the training data was gathered, um, and that's a huge one. And and so any 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 model, any sort of data model, um, had to come from somewhere. Um, you know, it, it's very rare or, or even at least highly unlikely that the the AI made another AI. We're not there yet, and that mm, does sound. Yeah. So some some human somewhere started this, and and they gathered the training data, and they created the algorithm, and they trained the model based on that. And they made a lot of decisions, and, and those could be software engineers or, or business people. We need to be aware of the decisions that were made um, with the software that we're using. I remember now the the other word was algorithm. You just said it again. So that was one of those. Um, I mean, again, you, you see in the news, if you're reading tech news, you see AI, you see VR, you see AR. VR and AR aren't part of this conversation between you and I. But uh, there's, there's these this selection of buzzwords of AI, VR, AR algorithm and i think there was one other one uh machine learning and so they can all be super overwhelming and or um possibly confusing especially when we see once in a while these news reports of like uh i think i just saw one a couple of weeks ago it was a video online probably of uh, a a, quote robot in a pizza place making pizza and the (laughs) the inherent job losses that may come along with more and more technology digital technology specifically powered by AI taking jobs from human beings. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's good to understand and, and I guess um, sort of break down the terminology so it's, it's not meant to be, um, you know, frightening or, or, or keep you away from the way it works. I mean, an algorithm in its most basic form is really just a set of rules or operations um, that helps the software, um, you know, work out what to do next. So it, it's not that different from in the way computer programs have been written, um, you know, since forever. So I think th- those techniques um, are, you know, literally the way that the people compile software, that, 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 the, that the software processes data, it uses algorithms to determine what to do next. Um, but I think, you know, to your point, and it's, and, and it's really valid, like the, the, the term algorithm in this day and age um, brings with it a lot of different associations. And I think that's because we're seeing um, what some of the um, probably larger corporations are, are doing it, doing with those algorithms, and we're starting to question that. So, you know, what used to be a, a fairly, um, you know, non-emotional term in the, in the 20th century starts to, to, to mean something different and feel something different in, 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 you know, in this day and age. I think specifically to what you were just talking about in terms of the uh, you know, the emotional baggage that the word algorithm specifically carries with it now has to do with the changes that Facebook makes to its quote algorithm yes. and newsfeed and what you see or don't see and what, how do you feel about that? So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's a great example. I think, you know, probably specifically Facebook and Google and Amazon. Um, and, it, and it becomes a bit of a black box. I mean, I think people talk about an algorithm in a very generic term because it's really hard to unpack more specifically what it is and what what it's doing and, and kind of, you know, putting, a, I guess, a definite article in front of it saying the algorithm does make it sound, you know, quite future-facing. Um, and I think you know, some of those corporations probably use that to their advantage to kind of go, you know, we're all over this, you know, we're just tweaking the algorithm and, and people kind of go, well, I'll never understand that. So I won't sort of, you know, look more closely. Um, but yeah, it, it certainly feels like it can have a dark side and quite a mystical side, um, you know, if we don't think about it too much. Yeah. I think the other thing that 
uh, the opposite side of scary, which is the potential that there is for this technology to be uh, incredibly useful, is when you can have AI and this technology step in and start to augment or even uh, maybe be delegated to or do automated tasks or even beyond that uh, for small teams, small businesses, entrepreneurs, like to be able to have access to that. That's like having extra team members. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. And I think that's that's one of the most exciting aspects of, of, of where this is going in a lot of domains is, um, you know, there's a lot of things we do. And, and I think this is the intersection with productivity that becomes quite interesting. There's a lot of things we do because we have to rather than because we want to. And, and I think if, you know, if people got to design their, their, their perfect job or their perfect day or, or like you say, delegate the tasks they don't want to do, you know, their, their, their lifestyle, their work-life balance, their, their productivity um, profile would be, would be quite different. And I think that's it's really exciting um, that, you know, a lot of artificial intelligence will, will help us do, um, you know, more of what we want to do and, and, and um, hand off those, those tasks that we don't want to do to algorithms or, or, or models that can do them a lot more quickly and efficiently than us. And, yeah, I think that's, that, that's the optimistic lens that we need to see a lot of these things um, through um, that, you know, th- this could improve life um, for a lot of people. The promise here with digi- digital technology, especially new stuff that comes out and we, you know, have to pay somewhat of a, a specific amount, you know, a larger specific amount to get the brand new, you know, phone or the brand new whatever it is, tablet. I don't know, you know, insert insert uh, tech lust object here. <laughs> and uh, it, it, the idea is behind it is not only is it going to be fun to play with, but what it, what are all the cool things that it can do and that I can justify this purchase with because it's going to be a a tool of convenience it's going to it, it's a tool so I can justify it and it's going to save me time or it's going to save me effort or um you know fill in fill in the blank here it's going to save me whatever it is and I won't have to put as much effort as much time as much money etc into my quote work or or my life, you know, and I will then have that much more leisure time or be able to get that much more uh, effort out of my own work because of this, this tool. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think in a, in a consumer context, you know, like you say, it, it is often around simply lusting for the, the latest, shiniest thing. Um, and then you can see with some of those consumer devices that the actual kind of enhancements or, or additional features or improvements are pretty incremental. So, um, you know, we, we can kind of find ourselves, um, you know, beholden to, you know, some, some pretty um, basic kind of, you know, desires to, to have that latest shiny thing and to see it and unbox it and play with it. But in the business context, I think you've hit on something that's really important there. I think there's nothing more, you know, fundamental to, to a business than time. Um, time is the currency that a lot of businesses, you know, need to be most aware of. And, and, and time has a direct relationship with, um, you know, like you say, people and resourcing and staffing and, and getting extra help or consultancy or, or whatever it is. Um, and that's where I think, you know, some of these new capabilities will affect businesses the most in, in, a, in, a, in a positive way. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search. 
Just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people, or at least it used to be, join more than three 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic? For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I got to ask, like, where are we at right now with AI in terms of it being something that can be delegated to with any kind of uh, level of trust in that it's going to that it's going to perform and perform consistently based on our expectations? Um, that, that's a great question. I, I think the the element in that question, which is most interesting to me, is is the consistency. So I think we are in a phase where. Um, a lot of really smart, innovative, um, creative people are, are creating software um, that can do an incredible uh, range of interesting tasks. Um, but often, you know, if you want to incorporate that into into your um, professional life or rely on it, um, you have to be you have to really scrutinise that that consistency. Um, so, for example, we see a lot of in the sort of content marketing and and, and advertising domain that. That I'm interested in, you can see a lot of um, language models that kind of you know can come up with a, a headline or a slogan, or or they can generate a story or a poem. Um, but you know, when you look a bit when when you look a bit deeper, often when sort of research scientists publish these findings, they've handpicked examples. 
um, which is fine because what they're trying to do is, is demonstrate where this might go. And then I guess we're also another aspect to that is when we see um, artificial intelligence applications that are in the workplace or in, on, in an enterprise, there is a still a significant amount of, um, you know, in inverted commas, human in the loop. And human in the loop is, is, is a phrase that, you know, as it sounds, um, relies on people being able to play a role in the workflow um, where AI is involved. So you don't let um, an algorithm or, or artificial intelligence application just do its own thing and, and just sort of step back and, you know, go for a walk in the park and, and presume that everything's going to be fine. Um, there, there's probably quite a quite few applications of that being used where we can rely on that consistency of output or I think, you know, humans working with AI in augmented ways is probably the way we're going to see things go for, for you know, the near future. So one of the things that you shared with me uh, via email was that I th- thought was actually really interesting, had never thought of it this way. Uh, it was this idea of the four roles for creative computational partners or, you know, a computer. <laughs> And I, I think these are really interesting. So there's the, the computer as nanny, the computer as pen pal, computer as a coach, and a computer as a colleague. I'd love for you to maybe break down what each of those means. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's um, uh, something that people play out um, in academia and in research is if we're going to accept AI into our lives – you know, we are, um, as humans, we are interpersonal, we are, we're relationship-driven. And when we're, we're, when we're being asked to, you know, rely on and, and, and interact with software of this kind, we start to, you know, try and determine um, what role it might be in our lives. And, and it's really useful, those, those terms you mentioned um, are useful to try and unpack that in, in ways that make sense to us. So, you know, we, we add those labels um, in a way to make sense. So I think... Um, you know, there's there's a range of different roles, you know, some of those ones you mentioned, but you can also think of an AI potentially as a mentor, as a coach. And what they're trying to do is really say, do you want this, this um, I guess, augmented experience to, um, to supervise you? you know, in, in that kind of you know, nanny sense, you know, it, it's really uh, look after me and, and, and steer me through um, what I want to do and, and, and even tell me what to do, give me the tasks um, as a human worker, give me the tasks that I need to do next. So, you know, in that in that instance, you might um, have an AI that's you know alerting you with what to do next, and, and it's con- creating and contributing the tasks. Whereas a coach role um, would be, um, as it sounds, you know, a lot more supportive, and and it's really, you know, you can imagine a coach role being really useful with things like education, or you know, we've seen them, you know, in in, in weight loss programs where it's very supportive. Um, and it's playing a role where, um, you know, it's it's certainly not more, um, it's not your superior. And, and you know, things like colleague is, is much more like having a sidekick. Um, and that and that starts to touch on that aspect of, you know, potentially um, people are going to have a, you know, a sidekick or a wingman or, or, or an augmented partner to work with, you know, in, in ways they haven't done before. And, and, and that's, you know, a fascinating, I guess, progression of these kind of technologies in certain fields. I think the thing that I'm noticing here is that the, it kind of spins from, you know, on the low, well, not the low end, but f- there's a spectrum, I guess I'll say. So from one end of the spectrum to the other, that on one end, you've got the AI, um, they're managing, they're, 
um, yeah. kind of t- time management or task management or being delegated to they're, they're doing, you know, those mundane or routine things that they can be, you know, delegated to where on the other side of the spectrum, you've got them playing a role in the creative, you know, process of whatever it is you're doing or making. They're involved. They're not just a tool at that point. They're almost yet another team member. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that's probably what differentiates um, the ambition of some of these, um, you know, I guess, software applications is that, you know, we, we've thought about um, software as tools, you know, for a long time. And the notion of a tool um, is that, you know, it, it's a thing humans can use to, you know, to, to amplify, you know, their own work or productivity or, or um, you know, situation. But, but these... I guess the AI as software is really sort of being pitched for a lot of us as 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 more of a um, as a partner in some in some way, um, you know. So the, the notion of a computer as a pen pal um, is that it kind of, you know, an AI might sort of facilitate that information flow between between um, you know you and it in a way that you might use a pen pal, which is very different from being in control. So things like aspects of, I guess, control and 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 who's initiating a task. And, you know, your relationship and perspective on this bit of software is, is shifting. Um, and, and it can be really useful, but it's also something that you, know, you need to be aware of, you know, when you, when you take on, um, you know, an AI into your, into your workflow. And I think one of the things that I was trying to get at with my previous question of, of, you know, the, the where are we at question with mm. terms and it comes to AI is I, I personally, and I, and I'm curious to get your thoughts, don't necessarily see, AI at being the at the point of being able to, you know, really be at that colleague level and create uh, the same, I guess, quality. And again, I'll, I'll add the word in consistently of uh, when, when it comes to creating content or different pieces of information, you know, st- stuff that only a human could come up with. Um, because I think I'm not sure that we're there yet, but you may prove me wrong. What are your thoughts? No, I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I think um, it's almost like if we imagine that that we're trying to create an AI that is of a human level um, of performance or creativity, um, it's 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 probably going to be a distracting goal to have you know for the next 10, 20, 20 years for most of us. Um, again, research scientists behind the scenes are you know running hard at. at, at Sort of general AI or AGI, which is you know really trying to achieve that goal of of being able to process um, you know uh, information like a human would. Um, but for most of us, you know, we, we see it through um, applications, and and I think that's right. It, it's not there yet where it's a colleague. It's not there yet where you would treat it um, with the same reverence or respect um, as you would uh, a person. And 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 there's probably other. Um, there's definitely other reasons for that. You know, we, we should value people more than software, <laughs> but also the output. The outputs, um, just my opinion, um, but the outputs are, um, are definitely um, inconsistent. But I think what you're seeing is um, fascinating new ways of, of people brainstorming, you know, with themselves. You know, the, the notion of needing to sort of pull a room together, um, which is not always available for everybody to have a bunch of people come in and do a brainstorm of, of any kind. Um, maybe, you know, maybe we're seeing um, examples of AI that where you can you know, work with that AI in an interactive kind of brainstorming way and cover a lot of ground um, without needing to sort of imagine that it's as sophisticated, intelligent, or as creative as you. Um, but yeah, it, it's not there yet as far as an equal. 
but as far as the other end of the spectrum in terms of those menial tasks, those that delegating that uh, or, or or even uh, it being intelligent enough to delegate to you, to remind you of tasks that you have, we're, we're, I feel more confident saying we're there, so to speak, in that side of Absolutely. the spectrum, right? Yeah, I think that's right. I think technically we're there. And also, um, you know, there's this there's this school of um, thinking around interactive machine learning, which is really the, you know, the people who look into how a human is going to interact with this stuff um, and, and what does the interface look like. And it's really important, um, that interface layer, when, when you're thinking about am I going to trust the data or the suggestions or the recommendations that it's giving me. And I think what we're seeing is people are much more likely to trust things um, that are seen as, you know, manual tasks or recommendations. So if we understand how something might work, you know, for instance, you know, there's an, there's an alert or a recommendation or a, or a notification. You know, we're pretty comfortable understanding, at least at a high level, how that works so we can trust it more. So, you know, sales forecasts or customer service alerts um, or little bits of automation that, that chatbots can do. Um, one of the reasons, you know, that, that that's, I guess, um, proliferating is that, you know, we're, we're pretty comfortable with delegating that stuff because it doesn't seem like something not that it's not just that I don't want to do but but doesn't seem like anything too complex it just takes scale and repetition um, and we can understand anyone can sort of really understand that it's just a, a computer task anyway um, so you know again it's, it's easy, easier for it to accept that um, that that we might want to delegate that yeah and and you know again as much as humans and their you know intelligence is great the computational power that we're uh, able to tap into now on a technological level is so much faster at, you know, crunching numbers to, to use, to use that phrase. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I, and I think just to uh, one aspect of that, that we, we, we should remember is that, you know, computers are, are quite brilliant at um, brilliant in inverted commas at, um, at, at processing sort of um, niche tasks or very well-defined tasks um, you know, humans are incredible at, at, at kind of having perspective and, and, and um, using lateral thinking and associating things with memory and instinct, uh, whereas, you know, the computers are, are much better at, at repetitive things that they can do at speed and at scale. So you can see almost, you know, in understanding what artificial intelligence is, and, and you said this at the start of our discussion, you know, it, it's hard to even understand if we have enough intelligence, much less artificial intelligence, what, what a lot of this has made people think is, okay, what's the difference between, where is the boundary between artificial intelligence and my intelligence? And, and, and a lot of us have realized we didn't understand intelligence in the first place, um, much less what artificial intelligence you know, might provide. So it's a real kind of period of discovery on that angle as well. I do want to go back to the other end of the spectrum again and just go into this this creative uh, element. You've been doing some work with that, uh, specifically with an app uh, that you have. Uh, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So my, my, my background with this was, was a couple of years ago. Um, I was running an advertising agency here in Melbourne, Australia. And, you know, there's there's about a there's about a hundred people in this agency. Um, there's, so there's people like art directors and copywriters and, and, and designers and, and, and people like that. And I guess as artificial intelligence was coming out of a, uh, I guess an, an, another AI winter, which is a term for, you know, when, when funding dried up and resourcing dried up you know, and, and academia kind of, you know, revitalized again with AI and, and, and there's some significant things happening. I started to sort of pay attention more than I had in the past 
<clears throat> excuse me, and when I looked around the context of what we were doing at the agency, um, a lot of the, I guess, the ways of working felt a little arcane. So, you know, um, Bill Burnback in the 1950s sort of put art directors and copywriters together as, as, as pairs, um, and that was quite revolutionary then, but we haven't really moved on with the way we work um, in that kind of creative advertising context since then. And so what got me excited initially was was imagining, you know, a little bit about what we've been talking about is is how might um, everybody get a creative partner rather than just um, copywriters and art directors who work professionally in ad agencies. Um, so I kind of took that idea and ran with it and, and started the company that we're working on now um, called Move37 and we have a team of five people exploring, um, you know, what kind of tools um, can help people um, outside the professional context, so small to medium-sized businesses, you know, individuals, entrepreneurs, startups, um, whatever, um, who don't necessarily have sort of a lot of practice and experience in the creative realm but, but need those kind of capabilities to do their own job better. Um, so what kind of tools can we create that can augment their own creativity or their own content production? So the initial app that we've got is called Gene, which is a social media assistant, and, and Gene is really – you know, just an example of where we're going with this and, and Gene helps you come up with social media ideas. But it's still very much not on a, on a human level. It's not aiming to be on a human level of, of what an idea is, uh, but more augmenting that, that kind of way of coming up with ideas and giving, um, you know, the person who's using the app, um, you know, better choice and opportunity to, to interact with ideas and, and, and select them on their own terms. I have to take a look at the app. I was going to say, uh, I think that even you yourself are saying that, again, it's still a place where you, you have to have, to, to go back to that other phrase you used, uh, having humans in the loop. And I think that's indefinite for us. I mean, I think that's part of our product philosophy is that we don't want to take humans out of the loop, even if we could. Um, so the kind of tools we want to make are exactly that, tools for, for humans to use. Um, and, you know, we've experimented with, with um I guess algorithms that can generate language. So we don't have that in our product at the moment, but we've got we've done a lot of research and development on the back end where, you know, you can put in a term like um, innovation or, or freshness or sustainability or, or the environment or whatever, um, and it can generate sort of um, copywriting or, or slogans or headlines out of that. And that's it's a, it's a really interesting way to go um, as long as you can package that up in an interface where people feel like it's not doing all the work for them. It's really just trying to give, give them a head start and that they can jump in and edit that. And, and what we found as an example with that kind of capability, uh, a more professional user um, is quite comfortable with it because they can sort of scrutinise it and assess it. But for someone who's actually our target customer at the moment, um, they're a bit bewildered by what you're showing them um, because they kind of think, well, that's finished and it's not meant to be finished. Um, but it's also not necessarily consistent output. So those kind of human factors are, are probably, you know, equally if not more important than the technology itself. So uh, I'd like to point people to where they can find out more, uh, not just about Get Gene or Gene, I should say, uh, but also about your company. Uh, where can people go to find out more about both those things? Um, yeah, so Get Gene um, is our website. So Gene is a social media assistant. So the URL for that is um, Get Gene, which is J E A N. Dot com get gene.com and our company um, is called move 37 um, and that website is move 37.ai um, admittedly there's not a lot of information about the company side of things 
um, which is, you know, because that's really just the, the, the name of our team and, 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 you know, there's a little bit about our ambition and what we're achieving. But, um, but yeah, certainly Gene's our first product. Yeah. Uh, Dave, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking about this because this is not necessarily a topic people are talking about yet when it comes to uh, productivity. And I just wanted to kind of deliver a conversation to get people thinking. You know, there's not a, there's not a lot of quote practical takeaway here other than maybe starting to consider, uh, what are some of the things again on the one side of the spectrum that it comes down to, you know, where you could use AI to manage and or remind you assistant wise. But then also people can go and check out, uh, Gene and see what the other side of the spectrum looks like. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, I think it's useful for people to start having a perspective on, on, on these kind of, um, applications and, and, and like we've talked about before, there's, there's applications that help you create music or generate imagery or generate, generate press releases, um, all sorts of things that are coming up. And I think what's really useful for people is to start to, is to scrutinize and understand them, even if they're not incorporating them into their own, um, you know, suite of productivity apps. Um, and also to maintain, um, if possible, some optimism about where all this stuff is going, because most of the, most of the news, obviously, we see breaking every day is is about the you know the, the negative aspects, the 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 watchouts, the warnings when it comes to artificial intelligence. And while those are all valid, I feel like if people don't sort of get in and play and try things, um, they might miss opportunities that you know can be quite positive and and, and progressive and, and and quite helpful. Yeah, very good. It's, it's definitely uh, one of those thought pieces. It's definitely a great idea to to get ahead in terms of anticipating where things are going. So I really appreciate you being here and uh, enlightening us all. Great. It's been great to chat, Eric. And that's another episode of Beyond the To-Do List in the can. I thank Dave King for talking with me about AI. There's so much more deeper conversation to be had here in this realm. I'm curious what your thoughts are. I'd love for you to share those with me by going over to beyondthetodolist.com slash 266. That's where you'll find the show notes for this episode. While you're there, you can hit the share button and share this with somebody that you know needs to hear this conversation or would be interested. Somebody that would geek out on this topic like I did, like you did, if you did. I hope you did. Maybe you did. But either way, if you're listening this far, you probably did. (laughs) Either way, thanks again for listening. I really appreciate you. And thanks so much for sticking with this show. I know that you have a plethora of podcasts out there to listen to. It is not nothing to listen through. And even all of you who have let me know that you appreciate the show, a lot of whom I saw recently at a conference. Thank you so much for that. And again, thanks for listening. And I'll see you next episode. (laughs) 